Hey everyone, thank you for joining us for today's episode of Real Estate Disruptors. Today we've got Rod Cleef. Am I saying that right? Cleef, yes, sir. Cleef, yes, sir. The king of multifamily, and he's here uh, to share how to build lifetime cash flow through real estate investing. I don't know about that whole king of multifamily business, but. Well, uh, you're doing pretty good from the research <laughs> I, sh I, I did. So. If this is your first time tuning in, I'm Steve Trang, broker owner of Stunning Homes Realty, founder of the Offer Fast Homes app, the only app you need for wholesaling, and I'm on a mission to create 100 millionaires. So please private message me if you ever need any help with any of your business. Uh, and if you're excited for today's show, please give me a wave, give me some thumbs up. And as a reminder, I don't charge anything for this show. I don't make any money doing this. So here's all I ask. Uh, this is all the cost for you to listen to this show. If you get value out of the show, please tell a friend. Either share this episode right now, tag a friend below, or tell them your best takeaway later on. That way we can all grow together. And don't forget, this is a live show, so please do not hesitate to post your questions. Rod would be happy to answer them for you. Are you ready? Are you ready? I'm ready. You ready? I'm ready. Okay. Let's so what got you into real estate? Well, let me go back. I immigrated to this country when I was six years old. My brother, Albert, my mother's Vancha. And um, we ended up in Denver, Colorado. Didn't have a lot of money. Mm -hmm. uh, in fact, uh, for my first 10 years here in the United States, I worked close from the Goodwill. Um, my, uh, my mom babysat kids, so we had enough money to eat. And mm -hmm. what got me into real estate was she used her babysitting money to buy the house across the street from us when I was 14. And when I was 17, about to graduate from high school, she told me she'd made 20 grand on the house while she slept she didn't do anything it went up in value twenty thousand dollars i'm like what i'm getting into real estate <laughs> so i actually got my real estate broker's license oh. when i turned 18 okay. which you were able to do with education back then you didn't have to have experience so mm -hmm. i became a broker at 18 not just an agent and you know i was going to be rich in real estate i got a bus bench and put it down at the end of the street with my picture on it and didn't give me any business of course but no. it made my mom proud but uh <laughs> And so I made about 10 grand in my first year in real estate. Now my second year I made maybe 12 to 15 grand. But my third year I made over 100 grand, which back Ooh. in 1981 was a decent chunk of change. So what happened between year two and year three? And what happened was mindset. Um, you know, I, I, on my podcast I talk about the psychology of success, how 80% of your success in anything is your psychology or your mindset. Only 10 to 20% is the actual mechanics, like mm -hmm. real estate or entrepreneurship, business, whatever it is you're interested in. But it's, it's, it's primarily mindset. And so I'm, I met a guy that I started working with that, that started to teach me about mindset. Uh, and um, you know, so fast forward to today, I've owned over 2,000 houses that I've rented out long-term, multiple apartment complexes mm -hmm. in three states. And, you know, I've had a lot of ups and downs. And Oh, we're going to talk about the ups and downs. Oh, we are? You're going to, you, we have to go there. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, I've had a lot of ups and downs, and uh, I've learned from them. I call them seminars. Mm -hmm. uh, they're never failures. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, only a failure if you don't learn anything, and you typically always learn something. So yeah. I've had plenty of seminars. Um, some have been bigger than others. But, um, in fact, we can get right into it if you like. So... Let, let, let me back up. Before we talk about 2008, the big seminar, let's talk about what happened up to that point. Yeah. Because in 2006, my net worth went up $17 million while I slept, a little more than my mom's 20 grand. If, I, if you want to do the math on that, it's a little over 8000 an hour, yeah. okay, Th for the whole year. And 
you know, which is great. And Feeling pretty when, good. When, when they feel pretty good, you get a big head. You think yeah. you can conquer the world. You know but, everything. You know, yeah, you know everything. You're a real estate god. And, yeah. uh, and then, you know, whenever you do that, life, the universe, God, whatever you believe in, will give you a smackdown. Mm-hmm. And that smackdown for me was 2008. And I ended up losing that $17 million and a whole lot more. I ended up losing $50 million in 2008 for a lot of reasons, and I'm happy to get into them. But the real message here is that I'm back now. I'm already yeah. back, and I'm mm-hmm. back very, you know, I came back very quickly um, because they're seminars. And you should never, those of you listening, should never be afraid of failure. I've, I've built 24 businesses. Several have been worth tens of millions of dollars, but most have been spectacular flaming seminars, okay? <laughs> and so, you know, in fact, I met, uh, I'm a member of several masterminds. I even put on my own mastermind now, but uh, in one of the masterminds I was in, I met Sarah Blakely, the billionaire owner of Spanx. She started with $5,000, now she's mm-hmm. a billionaire. She was on Forbes just a couple months ago. And she told me that her father, every night at the dinner table, or at least once a week, would ask her and her brother what they failed at that day. Mm-hmm. Isn't that an awesome question? It is. Yeah, because because it's never a failure. And you, if you're afraid to try anything, you're never going to get anywhere. People fail their way to success. Right. And um, so there you have my, my big flaming seminar. That was the big one. I've had other ones. but that was So I heard that you made 17 in one year, uh-huh. and I heard you lost 50. So I'm assuming that was all the equity, or is that including the— No. What happened was— what was interesting, and the reason I started my podcast was what was interesting is when I was crashing and burning, it was my single family houses. Mm-hmm. Uh, my apartment complexes did just fine. And they would have survived if I hadn't cross collateralized them with the houses. So they right. were, the whole thing imploded. But I would still have the, the apartment complexes if they hadn't been cross collateralized. So that's my message. And I, I wrote a book, uh, which I'm happy to share with your listeners, that uh, about. Uh, multifamily real estate investing but the subtitle of the book in fact that's one of the things i was recording the audio version of that book this morning it's kind of funny i was in front of a microphone all morning recording the first hundred pages but but the subtitle of that book is the new rules of real estate investing i.e the new rules being focus on cash flow instead of value mm-hmm. i was focused on the value that 17 million dollars i wasn't paying attention to the cash flow we well, can't do anything with the equity anyway well, you can't, uh, I, but especially when the market uh, tightens up so you can't sell or refinance. Because yeah. I was selling a house occasionally or refinancing a house occasionally just to offset that little bit of a negative that I had. Now, you're wondering how with 800 houses was, were those houses negative. The reason that they didn't cash flow was several. One was taxes in Florida very high. There's no state income tax. So that's number one. Number two, I was along the coast, so I had a lot of uh, heavy-duty insurance. I had wind insurance and flood insurance, which can be very expensive. Mm-hmm. So that impacted cash flow. But the third, probably the biggest reason, was I had houses two hours north and two hours south and everywhere in between. So, you know, if I had a maintenance call on one of my houses, I'd send a maintenance man. They might drive an hour to get there. Mm-hmm. Okay, I had my own, st- my own staff. So I'd send a maintenance guy. They'd take an hour to get there. They'd see what was wrong. Then they'd have to find a Lowe's or a Home Depot, which could be half hour away. Yeah. They'd buy the parts. They'd come back. They'd get into it. And then you know how these things go. Then they'd figure out they need something else. And they would, uh, uh, you know, what would take 30 minutes in an apartment complex where you can stockpile parts mm-hmm. could take all day. And you multiply that times 800 and <laughs> consistently, and it just it was it just didn't quite cash efficiency well. issues. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you lose 50 million dollars, which for a lot of people is a lot of money. It's, it's for everybody, <laughs> I think it's a lot of money. Yeah. So, how do you recover 
what like what were the first things you did when that happened? Well, I'm going to probably tell you. I, I I know where you're going, and and what you think I'm going to say is probably not going to be what I say. It really wasn't about my knowledge of real mm-hmm. estate that got me back. Mm-hmm. It was mindset again. Yeah. Okay. It was all psychology. Okay. It was remembering to focus on what I wanted instead of what I don't want. In fact, if you'll humor me, I'll I'll share this with you and your listeners. Uh, a process I take my coaching students through, and I do this in my live events as well, um, to help with this process. And yeah. You want me to get into that? Oh yes, please. Okay. So. Um, it really revolves around knowing what it is you want and why you want it. And so the process I take my coaching students through is it's a goal setting exercise, but it's a little it's quite a bit more than that. So if you're listening, pick an hour when you have a lot of energy and don't do it right after a meal or when you're tired. Pick it the time of the day that you're have a lot of energy and you're not going to be interrupted and sit down and write down everything you could ever possibly want in life. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, of course the stuff, the houses, the boats, the cars, the jet skis, the planes, all the stuff, write that stuff down. How much money you want in the bank, what net cash flow you want from your real estate, all of that stuff. But, but and where you want to go, who you, you know, and all that, but beyond just the stuff and the money, write down what you want to learn. Me, I want to learn how to fly a helicopter and I, I got some drums. I'm going to learn how to play the drums. L- write down who you want to help. You know, I, I've, I've started a foundation. I can get into that later if you want, but it's actually you know, down there. One is of my it, questions yeah, so, later so, on. So, so, so figure out who you want to help, you know, what you're going to stand for, write all that down. So it's not just the stuff. It's everything you want to do, be, or have. And don't, you know, if you're analytical, don't stop and analyze it. Just keep writing. You can scratch it out later, but literally don't stop writing till you can't think of another thing. The big things, the little things, everything. Then once you've done that, then it's not real until it's measurable. So write down how long it's going to take you to achieve each one of those goals. Just put a number by how many years it's going to take. One, three, five, ten, twenty. Remembering that as human beings, we will overestimate what we can accomplish in a year and massively underestimate what we can do in a decade. So keep that in mind. But write down, put a number by each goal. And then once you're done with that, pick pull out four of those goals. Pick out three of your top one-year goals and then pull out the number one goal, um, uh, the juiciest one, the one that really lights your fire. And there may be several, just pick one, it won't matter. But pick pick one of your top, top goals. So you've got four goals, write those on a separate sheet of paper. Now this is where most people stop, okay? Uh, in fact, most people don't even go this far. Um, but then what you must do is you must write down a paragraph for each one of those goals why it's an absolute must because it's the why that's going to drive you. So, you know, so I can show my wife what success looks like or my husband. So I can, you know, we can do whatever we want, whenever we want, wherever we want, with whoever we want. You know, whatever it is for you, write it down. Use powerful, emotionally charged words. Very, very important. Words are very, very powerful. So write a paragraph for each one why it's a must. But take it one little step further. Put some pain in there if you don't achieve it. So, you know, so I don't feel like a failure, so I don't live a life of regret, so I don't fail my family. Whatever it is, make it painful because, again, that pain will drive you. That that, that uh, uh, possibility of pain will drive you. Mm-hmm. So put that in there too. And then once you're done with that, there's one more step. 
And those of you that are analytical or listening to this or, you know, thinking this is all foo-foo, I'm here to tell you it's not. This stuff works. This is why I made, I was able to lose $50 million and come back from it and live the life that I have right now because yeah. of mindset and, and, and knowing what it is you want. So then go out there and find pictures of what it is you want. Um, find, you know, pictures that go on Google, find pictures that resonate with you, associated with your goals. They don't have to be exact, but when you see them, they kind of stir you. Pull those out, ha go to Walgreens or CVS, have them blown up and put them where you're going to see them. And I'll give you some examples of this. And I even know I was doing this. This is really manifesting what you want in life. But when I was 18, when I got my broker's license, I went out and got a four-door Ford Granada. Okay, great. The color of your, of your laptop. Ugliest car you've ever seen in your life. But I thought you had to have a four-door so you could show houses, you know. Right, right. So... Um, I worked with a guy that had a, a Corvette, and he let me drive it, and that was a key thing. It was experiential. So I got to drive that. I'm like, oh, my God, this is so cool. So this is way before the Internet. You couldn't even spell Internet back then. They had magazines, okay? Mm -hmm. So I got a picture of a Corvette, and I put it on the visor of my four-door Granada. Within a year or two, I had a beautiful red Corvette, Burgundy. Then... I'm going to give you some car examples because it was my life. Now, please know I'm not bragging because this stuff doesn't even interest me anymore. But this will oh, hopefully. I can appreciate it. I'm a car yeah. guy. So okay. All right. All right. So this was back when Magnum PI was out. It was a TV show with Tom Selleck, and he drove this Ferrari 308, gorgeous mm -hmm. red Ferrari. I got a picture of that actual Ferrari and put that on the visor of my Corvette. Within a couple of years, I had a Maserati look almost identical to that um, Ferrari. Last example. I'm the guy that always wanted a Lamborghini, okay? I had the posters in my bedroom with the bikini girls, and yeah, that was me, okay? And, and my, my son was nine years old, and I made the mistake of telling him I wanted a Lamborghini. And so he, got, he was collecting models of exotic cars, and he had the posters and the pictures too. And he, it, what's astounding is he had a model of the exact color and style that I ended up getting, mm. uh, which I ultimately wrecked. But, but, uh, but anyway, so... so this stuff works. I'll give you one last example. I lived in Denver. That's where, I, where we ended up. I lived yeah. there for 30 years, and, but I knew I always wanted to live on the beach. I mean, I, I would dream about palm trees, and we would travel occasionally to tropical places. I'm like, man, I've got to live like this. I love this. I don't like snow. And so I always dreamed about having a place on the beach, and it took me 20 years, but I built an incredible home on the beach. I, I mean, $8 million, 10,000 square foot incredible home beach on one side bay on the back side and and so it doesn't matter how big the goal is mm -hmm. you just have to believe in yourself and you have to take action and you have to stay focused on it you know like an airplane or a boat is off track probably 90% of the time, but it always ends up in the right place. So they're always making course corrections. Right. So if you know what it is you want and why you want it, you may have to change your approach. And if that doesn't work, you change your approach again and rinse and repeat, change, an change your approach and you'll ultimately get to where you want to go as long as you keep that goal in your mind's eye. So how long then, when you, you know, after the crash, mm -hmm. Did you feel sorry for yourself? How long? Mm, I felt months? for a few months. Few, few months. months. Oh yeah, yeah. I was under a rock and feeling sorry for myself. And I created a story. Stories are stories are circuit breakers. So you don't feel disgusted with yourself. You'll mm -hmm. tell a story. Okay. Right. And and people use stories to to justify a mediocre existence. And I had a story. You know, woe is me. I lost fifty million bucks. Woe is me. But I I ultimately picked myself up and remember to focus on what I wanted. You know. Um, I wish I'd have brought my planner. If I'd have thought that we were doing this visually, I would have brought my planner. In the back of my planner are 
pictures that have been in there almost 20 years. There's a picture of the Lamborghini before I got it. Oh, yeah. Pictures of watches. I have a couple hundred thousand dollars worth of watches. The Rolls Royce. All the stuff that I got because I had pictures. So those of you that are going, oh, this is foofy stuff. I'm here to tell you it's not. Okay, so you're making a mistake if you don't, you know, really visualize what it is you want. And uh, I recommend you do it with gratitude. And and I do a little morning ritual every morning where I sit and I, you know, I have my vision boards next to me and I'll look at them and. Um, and I'll visualize these things that I want as if I already have them with emotion, with gratitude. It's incredibly powerful. Absolutely. So, yeah. So then a couple of months of misery. Mm-hmm. And then how long till you get back to? Well, what I did was I, I made lemon lemonade out of lemons. Mm-hmm. So I was in foreclosure all over the place. So I found out that... Um, you could actually, you know, the banks created that crisis. I mean, mm-hmm. don't, don't, if you could fog a mirror in 06, you could borrow money. And, and so, you know, Wall Street and the banks created that mess that right. turned into a nightmare mm-hmm. for everybody. So, so I want to preframe what I'm about to tell you by saying that. So I found out you could fight foreclosures. And so I, I helped families fight foreclosures. I created a litigation support company that I actually just sold last week. It was a $10 million company. Mm. Uh, and and uh, it wound down and I sold it last week, but I helped probably several thousand families save their homes. Um, oh. Yeah. So uh, that's that's what I did. And then I was building up um, to, to buy real estate again. And I'm back buying real estate. And, uh, you know, it's kind of funny. I, I now I, I've got an amazing new wife. I, I, I went through a divorce as part of all this as well. And I, my wife is, is the most beautiful human being on the planet. And I live in a compound now that's six buildings. I mean, it's incredible. It's on the bay. It's two acres on, on, the, on the bay. And because God's got a sense of humor, I can see my old house across the bay that I lost. <laughs> you know, and I have to look out my back door and see it. But uh, no, life is good, my friend. Okay. So then, uh, so you did the fighting foreclosures thing, and mm-hmm. then you bent back to buying, acquiring properties again. Mm-hmm. And at some point along the way, you, you, you got the wisdom or the, uh, the, the hindsight that multifamily was much better return. Well, single family. Yeah, so. well, I, just based on my experience. I mean, my single families are what pulled me down. My multifamily would have been just fine. So, you know, if you're thinking about getting into real estate, if you're listening to this, you're thinking about getting into real estate, don't do houses. Mm-hmm. At least do a plex. Mm-hmm. You know, I've interviewed people on my show that made, you know, tens of millions of dollars just doing one duplex at a time, triplex, fourplex. You could do plexes. Mm-hmm. At least do that. Don't do houses. If you're, if you're buying for long-term hold, that's, yeah. this, is, this is my... Uh, opinion, but uh, you know it's backed up by what I went through, and of course. so, so, uh, and if you can go larger, go larger. Um, now, now we're in a really hot market right now, mm-hmm. so it's it's hard to find deals, um, but but they're out there. I mean, we're we're working four deals right now, um, anywhere from forty eight units to five hundred and forty mm-hmm. units right now. But you know, look, there is a correction coming. And by the way, if you're if you guys are interested in this business, I've got a 200-page book. That's the one I'm reading. You can get it for free. Just text the word Rod to 41411, and we'll send you a copy for free. Happy to do that for your listeners. But if um, and but if you're thinking real estate, don't dabble. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure you talk about this on your show. It, dabblers get crushed. You got to study it. So mm-hmm. read my book. Listen to your podcast. Listen to my podcast called Lifetime Cash Flow. You know, we're uh, pushing four and a half million downloads, so people really enjoy it. And I, in my show, I interview, and like I say, people that just have a couple duplexes to people that have 17,000 units and everywhere in between. So I do that. And then I also incorporate little clips about the psychology of success sure. because that's that's 90% of it. So then let's pretend I'm brand new and mm-hmm. I like, hey, Rod, I want to start investing in real estate. Yep. What advice do you give to that new person? Um, 
study. Uh, don't you know? Get out there and mix it up. Go look at properties. Go meet people. Um, read my book. Read other books. Listen to podcasts. If you want, I, I do three-day live events. I've got one coming up in Atlanta, right around the corner, uh, November second, third, and fourth. Tickets are. I mean, you can fly to Atlanta cheap from anywhere in the country, and tickets are very reasonable, and there's still some left. Come see me for three days. You'll leave knowing everything you need to know to buy an yeah. apartment literally in 90 days. In fact, that's the title of, my, of, the, of the event, uh, How to Buy an Apartment Building in 90 Days. But, you know, whether you do it with me, it doesn't matter, but, but get, it, get the education, okay? Because when you're buying apartments, a mistake can be a big, uh, if you make a mistake on your first deal, there may not be a second deal. So, but, but there's no reason to make a mistake because it's really empirical. It's numbers. As long as you understand how to evaluate a deal, it's really, there's very little subjectivity to it. Sure, the area, you've got to check the comparable properties, make sure that what you're buying, you can create it to be better than what's around you or at least be competitive with mm -hmm. what's around you. So it's pretty objective. It's not that subjective. And the numbers are the numbers are the numbers. So you know the people that the people that fail guidelines the people that fail are the ones that don't take the time to learn that's it and it, and it's like anything else yeah you've got to study it a little bit mm -hmm. but don't be intimidated by it the first one's the hard one once you buy that first property is like dominoes they just they just fall after that the first one takes the longest and it's the hardest but um guidelines yeah there are there are there are Hang several on real quick it was okay. Rod four one four one one. Yeah, just text the word Rod to four one four one one to get my free book. If you're okay. interested in my boot camp, uh, I'm going to be in Janu I'm going to be in Tampa in January, and like I said, I'm Atlanta, November. Uh, text multifamily to four one four one one, and we'll send you the information about the boot camp. Okay. Um, cool. But as far as some some basic financial um, parameters for evaluating property. Um, you know, without getting too technical, people look, um, investors, uh, and that's the other thing about multifamily real estate, particularly if you go above four units. If you're five units or higher, it's considered commercial multifamily. And what's great about that is the value is based on a multiple of the net operating income. Mm -hmm. In duplexes, triplexes, and fourplexes, the value is based on comparable properties. So what did other plexes sell for? But when you go five units or higher, the value is based on income. And that's something within your control. So if you can increase the net operating income by either raising the rents or decreasing the expenses, it's exponential as to the impact that it has on the value. So, um, you know, it's just a fantastic business. The other piece about it that's fantastic is it's a team sport. So when you buy five units or more, the bank's not looking at you individually so hard. If you put two or three people together, you can have one person that brings their balance sheet to the table to, to show net worth. You can have another person that has money in the bank for the liquidity piece. And they're going to look at the property's ability to carry the debt versus your personal ability to carry the debt. So, you know, there are lots of guys out there that are buying large multifamily properties with none of their own money. They're, they're finding the deals. They're bringing in investors uh, to, to, for the equity piece, which is the down payment and the, and any, f you know, operating funds and closing costs and, and, and renovation costs called capital expenditures or CapEx, they find investors to put up that money. They, they coordinate the whole deal and they end up with a nice piece of the deal. So there's a way to get into this business with little or no money. And that's so. not, that's not, you know, you know, a sales pitch. It's, it's reality. And so a lot of guys doing the it. the threshold is not as bad as, or 
It's a lot, looks a lot more intimidating than it really is. So it, it's well, it's like, like anything that you don't know. It's more intimidating. Yeah. I mean, it, it it it's just it's just it's a learning curve, and and that's why the first one's the hardest. And when right. you realize after that first one how easy it really was, and 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 I'll tell you, a lot of people don't realize that it's as much work. To, I mean, it's very close. You buy a 10-unit apartment building, you buy a single-family house, it's probably actually easier to buy the 10-unit because the, the, the Dodd-Frank stuff that you're dealing with, the lending and all the, you know, the, the um, regs that they've come up with to, to just buy a single-family home, it's just become very cumbersome. It's probably easier to buy a 10-unit, seriously. Yeah. So, and, and, and again, what's great about it is it's a team sport. So you can put, you can put the team together um, you know, how everyone starts in this business, in the multifamily business, is they align themselves with someone called a sponsor, somebody that's done it before. Mm-hmm. And so you find somebody that, say, owns 100 units, and you go and you, you befriend them, and you, and, you, and you learn the business, you study it, and then you ask them, hey, if I find a deal, are you interested in getting involved? And if they are, then when you go approach people like sellers and brokers, you can say, yeah, we have 100 units and we're interested in looking at yours. So you, you hang your hat with them and you use yeah. the we word and it gives you instant credibility. That's how everybody does it in this business. I'm probably getting a little too technical for you. but No, uh, that's exactly okay. what we're looking for. Because okay. okay. uh, what we do a lot on this show is talking about sourcing deals. Mm-hmm. And so that's the other part is everyone's talking about, not everyone, but a lot of people are curious about apartments, mm-hmm. but they don't know where to get started. So Well, they, 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 there, there's several ways to get started. Obviously, you've got to educate yourself. You want to grassroots it, bootstrap it, listen to podcasts, read books. Mine's free. It's a no-brainer. It's like a textbook. Um, start there. But then get out there and have brokers start sending you deals so you can evaluate deals. And, mm-hmm. and you know, repetition is the mother of skill. I had Grant Cardone on my show, and he spent – he's a big sales guy if you don't know who he is. Oh, yeah, and, everyone knows Grant. Okay, well, yeah. he's got his own jet. He's got, <laughs> I don't know, probably five or 6,000 units now. He's a riot. Uh, but But – he, um, he, he studied this business for four years before he ever bought his first apartment building. Mm. And, and I'm not saying it has to take that long, but again, don't dabble. Don't think you can go in half-cocked and not, not study it a little bit. It's not hard, but, but, you, but you've got to apply yourself like anything else and evaluate deals. Start making relationships with brokers. You know, start talking to people about the fact that hey, you're into multifamily real estate. Looking, you know, trying to find deals that cash flow. And if you find a deal, are you interested in participating? And you'll find there's a ton of money on the sidelines looking for deals. Mm-hmm. So you just start putting all that together. And the more you focus on your competence, the more it's going to build your confidence. And by virtue of having the competence, you'll have the ability to influence people to invest with you. I mean, when I was in my 20s. I bought tens of millions of dollars worth of real estate, none of my own money. I said, hey, if I find a deal you in, you put up the money, we'll split it 50-50, and I bought a ton of property that way. And right. it was, everybody was happy. Um, so, you know, that's, uh, that's not hard to do if, you've, if you're out there finding deals. So the harder part, is it finding sponsors or finding the, the, the multifamily? That- finding sponsors is not hard. Okay. Uh, I mean, I've got in my coaching students, uh, I've got coaching students uh, that – there's probably almost 10 of them in there that can sponsor deals. We sponsor deals. I just raised uh, $5 million for a, a, a person's deal up in Ohio. We raise the money, too. There's, like I said, there's a lot of money looking for deals. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you so know, then it's, finding it's, the deals. Finding the deals is the hard part right now. Okay. Yeah, it's, and, and there are lots of strategies for that, but it's, it's 
You know, it's hard work, especially if you're brand new, because brokers won't take you seriously. You know, broker doesn't get paid, as you know, unless mm -hmm. unless the property sells. Right. And you can spend a lot of time with somebody who doesn't know what the heck they're doing and mm -hmm. waste that time. So, you know, if a broker uh, is sharp, they're not going to, you know, they're not going to give you the time of day until they know you can close, which is why it's so important to align yourself with someone that has to align on their first deal or two. You only have to do it for a deal or two. And then mm -hmm. once you've got those on your resume, then you can be the sponsor. You don't need that person to help you. But, you know, what's great about commercial real estate is you've got to satisfy three things. You've got to satisfy for a bank. You've got to satisfy experience. You have to have net worth and you have to have liquidity. But what's great is you can find all three of those things in one sponsor. And, yeah, you're going to give them a piece of the deal. So what if you only have 10%, 20%, 30%, 40% of the deal? That's how you get started. Yeah. So, you know, I, you know, that's how everybody gets started. And I don't know about you, but I'll take 10% of something or 50% of something over 100% of nothing. Well, 10% of 100 doors, I'm, well, that's, that's all day. That's not a chunk of change. <laughs> that's not a small chunk of change. That's yeah. right. But even if you start smaller, it doesn't matter. Right. So as far as finding the deals then, I mean, are you, are you cold calling? I mean, it sounds well, like you're I can give broker. you lots of strategies for finding deals. Number one, obviously, is broker relationships. Yeah. If you can, if you can, you know, again, align yourself with somebody that's done it and go out and break bread with brokers in your target market. Go on loopnet.com. That's the largest multifamily, really commercial website in the planet. Go there, find the brokers that are selling the type and size property that you're interested in. Mm -hmm. Reach out to them, have them send you a deal, you know, uh, become competent enough to thoroughly analyze that deal. So when you respond, you can say, yeah, you know, I did the numbers on that. I normalized the expenses and the cash on cash return that I came up with was X and uh, I really need Y. So I appreciate you sending it to me, but you know, that one's not going to work for me. Please keep me in mind for other ones. That's a lot better than not responding at all or just saying, no, I'm not interested. Right. Then they, they take you seriously. And this is all about credibility when you're just getting started. So brokers are great. Residential brokers are great, like yourself. You know, residential brokers will come across a multifamily property and they're really not geared to handle it. You know, they, they're, they're used to putting properties in the MLS. Mm -hmm. And so, <clears throat> excuse me, you're going to want to align yourself with a residential broker because they'll stumble across multifamily deals from time to time. And if mm -hmm. you've got a relationship, they can send it to you. Um, we do mailing campaigns. Uh, unlike most people that'll buy a list off a li you know a list from a list broker, we actually uh, go right into the um, assessor's office. We pull our lists, we do our searches, we pull lists of people. And what you'll find is that most of those properties. Now, now when I say this on the on the mailings, we typically go from like five to fifty units. We don't go above fifty units. This doesn't work for the larger properties, mm -hmm. but under fifty units, we'll pull a list. And what you'll find is most of those properties are owned in entities, LLCs or corporations. And if you mail to the registered agent of that entity, well, you can imagine what happens Go to that mail. Go straight in the trash. Yeah. So what we do is we go to the Secretary of State's office and we break down those entities and we find out who the principals are, the owners. We mail them at their home addresses. Makes a huge difference. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, you, you hand address the envelopes, you type up the letters. Um, you put the property address in the first sentence so that the, the owner sees that and they recognize their address. And, you know, and, and that's, that's a strategy that works very, very well. And, and the key with mailing is you've got to be consistent. You can't do it once. So you need to do it two or three times a year and keep doing it. And, and you, you have to hit the seller when they're motivated. I mean, you have right. to hit them when they have a life event. So maybe they get sick. Maybe they decide to retire. Maybe there's a divorce or whatever. I mean, you, you have to be consistent. So that's another way. Another way is to get lists of owners that are in eviction. 
They, you know, an owner when they're evicting clients is not a happy owner. Mm. Or get lists of people that have code violations, you know, on their properties and contact them. Um, we did that with a five plex the other day. There you go. Last month. There you go. Code violation. There you go. I mean, it, you know, they're they're getting hassled by the city or the county. They're not happy, and, yeah. and you're catching them at the right time. You got to see the key is motivation. And, and right now in this hot market, the best deals are the off-market deals. If they're on mm -hmm. the market, they've been looked over, they've been picked over, and they're probably way overpriced. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, the key is to try to go direct to seller if you can. But, but the other key is not to get frustrated, okay? This is a hot market. So use this time. This is the great time for you to learn the business, to build the relationships. Because I'm here to tell you, you learn the business, you build the broker relationships, you build banking relationships, you build relationships with investors. When this market turns, it's going to turn again. It, it goes in cycles. I've been through. Oh, yeah. I've been through several of them. Not as bad as 08, but I've been through a couple other pretty bad ones. And and when the market turns, there's going to be exponential opportunities. If you've got you know, you're powder dry and you've learned the business, you've got the confidence, so you know what you're doing. Watch out, you're gonna kill it. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. Yeah. Uh, so what would you tell someone that's nervous, got a lot of fear, and how, how do you get them over the hump and take massive action? Goals, gotta do the goals and the whys. You've gotta have the, you've gotta have the, uh, the drive to do it. You gotta want it. Okay, mm -hmm. you've got to get uncomfortable. The life you want is on the other side of comfort. You have to get uncomfortable. You have to push through the fear. And the only thing that's going to cause you to do that is to have leverage on yourself via pain, the potential for pain, or the allure of, of the, the things that you want. So you've you got to get the driver first, okay? Then you've got to study this business. Don't dabble. Learn. Listen. Read. Do what have Align yourself. Go to real estate investor club meetings. Um, you know, listen to, to your podcast, to my podcast, I've incredible knowledge. I mean, I've, I get, I have a wall, as big as the wall behind you, covered with hundreds of thank you cards from people that have just listened to me and bought properties. Forget the coaching students that have bought big deals from me, but just from listening. So, but, but again, you've got to apply yourself. You've got to carve out some time every week to apply to this business. Even if you've got a full-time job, even if you've got kids, I mean, I've got, I've got a mastermind where I've got about three billion in assets represented uh, in this group of of guys, and you know, these guys, many of them have started with full-time jobs. They now have two thousand units. They did it on the side with a family, with a full-time job, and and you know, they're set for life. So it's very interesting, right? Because the idea is. Um, from, you know, on the outside looking in is you want to start small, you want to get some multifamily mm -hmm. and at some point you cash that in you get a down payment for, a for an apartment complex. Well, that's, you, the, you, that's, that's the common thought process, but yeah. you don't need the down payment. Well, that's, See, what, that's, that's, that's what's the, interesting. You, you don't need the money. You just need to find the deals mm -hmm. and, you need to, and to, you need to build a team and you know, go talk. I, I'm just, there's so much money looking for deals right now. I, I can tell you just in my coaching group, if you found a deal, you know, I think just in that group, you, we could we could probably raise $10 million in a couple of days. I mean, there's that much money looking for deals right now. And, you know, because they're getting 1% in the bank. And right. and who knows, you know, the, the stock market is volatile. Um, and what goes up comes down, and I'm telling you, it's very near the top right now. If it's not, if it's not already cresting, it feels okay? like it is. It's frothing. I'm just telling <laughs> you, I've been there. I see the signs. I I ignored them last time, but I, I recognize them this time, and you know, and and it's coming. So so you mentioned that there's a lot of money on the sidelines. Mm -hmm. So how would someone getting into this go about finding 
the money that's on the just, sideline. You know what you do is you put together what's called a sample deal package. We went just went through this with my coaching students. You you put a package together of a deal of a deal that looks decent with a decent cash on cash return for the money, decent returns, um, and you put a whole package together. Um, and we did a sample package and we did a template for everybody so they could do it. But, but you put that something like that together and you say, hey, if I find a deal that looks like this, are you interested? Mm-hmm. That's it. It's that simple. And, and, and you start getting soft commitments for money. Yeah, if you find a deal like that, I'm in. 10% return, you bet I'm in. Okay? And then you're out there looking for deals. You're out there evaluating deals. You're out there mixing it up. You're meeting people in the business. You're around people that are talking shop, so you learn the nomenclature. You're, you know, you just immerse yourself in it. You don't dabble. You immerse yourself in it. And, you know, and you tell people, you know, that, that you're new and you, you go have lunch with them. You go buy them lunch. You add value to the people that have done it already. You figure out how you can help them so that you don't, you know, you're not just a taker. You're giving and taking. You're, you're, you're making relationships. You're trying to add value to people, but you're also learning from people that have done it already. You right. find mentors. And that's how you do it. And, and you know, you just got to do it. That's the bottom line. You're asking me the question, just do it. Like Nike says, just do it. Yeah. See, you know, you know what to do. Everybody that's listening knows what to do. They just have to do what they know. Bottom yeah. line. So you mentioned team, right? Mm-hmm. Putting a team together. So what does a team look like? Well, it's the people I've, some of the people I've talked about. You need a broker. Mm-hmm. Um, you need uh you need uh, you need to align yourself with people with money. So you you know if they stand still long enough, they should know what it is you're doing. Okay, you should be you know you should hit, develop an elevator pitch that something along the lines like you know I'm I'm sourcing multifamily properties for cash flow and I'm always looking for partners and investors. So if you know anybody, let me know. If you know anybody that wants more than a 10% return, let me know and start collecting names. And then you, you know, you put them in an Excel spreadsheet or you, you go set up a CRM like Zoho.com or really simple systems. Those are free and you start keeping track of these people and you, and you send them an email every so often. You send them an article about the target market that you're interested in. You're building that buyer list. Then you're out there getting packages from brokers to look at deals. You're evaluating them. You're running them through their paces. You're, you know, um, you learn how to normalize expenses because a lot of the stuff you'll get is BS. So you got to go through it and clean it up <laughs> and then, and then, you know, uh, see if it makes sense and, yeah. and you just mix it up. You go out there, you look at deals, you meet brokers, you, um, and it just, that's how you learn it. And, and there's no shortcut. Um, but, but the key here is, and this is really important. So listen to this. If you don't love it, if you don't love real estate, then you learn to love it, okay? Because life's too freaking short to not do what you love, okay? Mm-hmm. So either either love it or learn to love it. And and see, I, I tell people, equate it to hunting for treasure. When you're out there looking for deals, just equate it, because that's really what it is. Oh, yeah, yeah, that makes so, that's so, a great so, analogy. So, so you need to associate pleasure with it because, you know, life's too short not to do what you love. So if you can't learn to love it, then for God's sakes, don't do it. Go do, go start a business, buy a franchise, do an MLM, do something else. But, but, um, but love what it is you do. Life's right. too short, man. That's, that's great, great advice. What about, what would you do if the market dips? It sounds like you feel like this is market If it proof. dips, it's going to dip. Trust yeah. me, it's coming. There's no question. And, 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 and it's not something to be afraid of, mm-hmm. Okay. With crisis comes opportunity. Now, yeah. see, I was under a rock hiding when it happened last time. If I'd have had my my act together, I I'd be on the back of my yacht right now because the opportunities were exponential. Yeah. You know, I interview guys on my podcast that now have a thousand, two thousand, four thousand units, 
and you can set your watch to this. Almost every one of them started in 09, 10, or 11. Every one of them. I mean, right. that's when the real opportunity is there after the crash. Okay, right. so that's coming again. It's going to happen. Um, I lost my. What was the question? No, no, that was it. Okay, that was right. that was perfect. All so, right. uh, so in doing research about you, I saw that you're involved with the Tiny Hands Foundation. Can you talk about that? So, let me back up because because I can I I can really I think tell you how that came about. So I built this, you know, I told you about this house that I wanted and I built this giant 10,000 square foot Gulf to Bay beach on one side, my boats on the backside, this giant home, magnificent. I mean, waterfall from the second floor into the pool, elevator, um, uh, wine cellar. I mean, I could push a button and all the hurricane shutters came down, whole house, 80 feet of glass, 10 feet high, all butt together. I'm just a magnificent, magnificent home. So I'm, flo I'm floating in this pool that was in magazines, just an incredible pool with trees coming out over it. It's changing colors at night. About two months after I bought the house, so I'm floating in my pool by myself. It's at night, water's warm, it's gorgeous. I'm looking up at this giant I call it testament to my ego because that's really what it was. I built it just to prove <laughs> to the world I was good enough, you know, and that, that drove me for a long time. But I'm looking up at this thing, and it was two months after I built it. My family's inside sleeping, and I got depressed. And I'm like, what is going on? I, I mean, I did it. I built this incredible house. I'm, you know, on, you know, for all practical purposes, I was a huge success financially. But I was depressed. And when I look back on, there were two things going on. And that's, and I'm really How glad you asked this? the question. This was uh, 2000. Okay. So there were two things going on. One was you should, and this ties into the goal setting we were just talking about, you should never achieve a big goal without having other goals lined up. Because like the good book says, without a vision, the people perish. You need a vision for the future. You need a compelling vision. And that's, that was one of the things that was going on. I figured out that later, but I didn't know why I was depressed. But then I started reading books to get motivated again. So I got Dale Carnegie, Zig Ziglar, you know, all the big names. But I got a Tony Robbins book. And I really enjoyed it. I think it was uh, Unleash the Power Within, I think was the book. But um, I think that was it. But anyway, I'm, I'm halfway through. I'm like, man, I like what this guy's saying. So I went and saw him live. Found out that Tony feeds families for the holidays. Yep. And I was blown away by that. And so what was happening was I was focused on Rod, 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 Rod. You know, show the world you're good enough. And, you know, it was all about me. And whenever that happens, whenever someone is depressed, they're focused inwardly. They're focused on their own problems. When you focused outwardly, it's impossible to be depressed. And so I was successful, but I was unfulfilled. And there's a mm -hmm. big difference between achievement and fulfillment. I had achieved, but I was unfulfilled. I was not happy. So I, I got that memo when I went and saw Tony, and I've now spent 20 years following him around the planet. In fact, I'm going to another event in December um, that I've probably been to 30 times. But really, you know, yeah. But but I'm learning is earning, and you're always growing. Progress equals happiness. The mm -hmm. goals, the, like I, I I built this eight million dollar house, and at two months later, I wasn't happy anymore. It's not about the goals. Yeah. It's about who you become and how you grow and how you progress. That's how you're. That's that's what equates to happiness. So. You know, so I saw Tony fed family. So I decided to feed five families that year. Third, third family changed my life. I, we went up to this, this house, and it was one of these shotgun houses where 
uh, these old hundred-year-old property. You walk into the living room. You walk through the bedroom to get to the kitchen. The kitchen had the bathroom off it. So like a one-bedroom, but not even a very well-laid-out one-bedroom. Um, lady had five kids. It was a lady with five kids in this one-bedroom shack. I, we, we got these big boxes of food. We got turkeys. We got a roasting pan. And I go to the door. She comes out. She sees the food. She starts crying. Her kids come out. They start crying. I start crying. And I'm hooked. The next year, I fed 50 families. Next year after that, 100, then 200, then 400, then 800, then 1,600. I doubled it every year. And I'm blessed to say that since then, I've now fed 60,000. My foundation, I shouldn't say I, we have fed 60,000 children That's for amazing. the holidays. We've done probably pushing 20,000 backpacks filled with school supplies. To This is in Sarasota and Bradenton, Florida, where we've um, given um, children that don't have the basic school supplies, school supplies. I've done probably 10,000 teddy bears to the local police departments for their officers to keep in cars when they encounter a child that's been uh, tra <coughs> traumatized. Mm -hmm. And um, it's been, that's given me fulfillment. Yeah. Life's about giving back, my friend. It's not about... Success without fulfillment is not success. If you are totally focused on yourself and you're not giving back in some fashion, you're not successful. Yeah. And so, you know, that's given my life meaning. It was really kind of cool. We, um, I was on watching the news about three months ago, and they found this little kid, this toddler, walking down this major street. Didn't know who its parents were. Now they found the parents about three hours later, but they got a picture, and it had he had one of our bears in his hand, which was really cool. That is awesome. Yeah. So, uh, so what is your biggest struggle right now? I am, you know, I, I, I started my podcast with the idea to help people so they didn't make the same mistakes I did. And I never intended to do what I'm doing now. In fact, mm -hmm. I used to say on my early episodes, I'll never sell you anything. I'm just, you know, I just want to help. Mm -hmm. Well, now I'm a liar because I have, you know, I, <laughs> I have courses, I have online courses, I have coaching, I have live guide now, three sold out live events. We had 410 people in Chicago and I'm going to Atlanta and then, Jan you know, Tampa in January. But my biggest struggle now, which I know what it is, is that I've been focused working in the business. I need to work on that business. Doing very well. We're helping a lot of people, and I just need to get all those ducks in a row. So that's one of my one of my challenges. Another challenge is, um, you know, looking for uh, um, looking for the right people to continue to ramp my multifamily business and some other things that I'm interested in. Um, but and 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 getting a good team together uh, to you know to get back to the lifestyle, the time lifestyle that I used to have. I'm, I'm working very very hard right now, but yeah. I'm blessed. I've got an amazing wife, uh, beautiful human being inside and out, and she's very supportive. Uh, but but I want more time with her. I want more time to travel and do those things. And and that comes through systems. I mean, every business is nothing but people and systems. And Absolutely. I, and and I'm good at setting up the systems. And I just have to find the time to really focus on that. That's my biggest challenge. Okay. And what is your superpower? Systems, for sure. Systems, yeah. no question. I, I I'm you know I have very few, but that's one of them. Systems. That's how I was able to buy two thousand houses. Very small staff. I mean, those were from individual owners, fixed up, renovated, and rented with very small teams. Uh, it was all about systems. Okay. And what book have you gifted more than any other? Well, mine actually. <laughs> Probably 20,000 20, 20, 20, copies. You know, I've given away for free, and people are blown away when they see. It's not a fluffy thing. Like you know, a lot of these other guys, they'll write a bunch of fluff crap that doesn't mm -hmm. add any value. This is 200 pages, like a textbook for yeah. multifamily investing. It really is good. Um, but 
as far as the books that I give my coaching students, uh, I just uh, gave away Never Split the Difference, Chris Voss's book about negotiating. Yeah, he, he, he's been on my podcast. He's incredible. Um, Grant Cardone's 10X book is awesome as well. Uh, Seller Be Sold is another one of Grant's books that's awesome. Giving away The Slight Edge, hundreds mm -hmm. of copies of that. Of course, the movie The Secret. You know, I never knew that, that, you know, with the pictures and everything that I was really incorporating the law of attraction. But oh, yeah. that kind of validated. It's like, holy cow, that's what I've been doing my whole life <laughs> when I watched that. What else are great books? Um, Slight Edge. Um, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. So if there was one note, one advice, one action that you would like to lead the listeners on, what would that be? That you can do it. That, that don't underestimate what you're capable of. I can tell you, I've interviewed people on my show that haven't got anything on anybody, that they've just gone out and done it through sheer perseverance. They're not smarter, they're not better looking, they're not anything other than they just took action to do it. They just right. pushed through their fear, they got uncomfortable. The life you want, that magnificent life you want and deserve is on the other side of comfort. That's awesome, I think that's a great way to end it. And so guys, again, if you guys like this show, please share this episode right now. Oh, is there a way, if someone wanted to get a hold of you, is there a best yeah, way go, to do it? Go, my website has got all kinds of incredible content. It's all free. It's rodkleef.com, R-O-D-K-H-L-E-I-F.com. Come listen to my podcast. I, I mean, I must be doing something right because I'm <laughs> down about 20,000 downloads a day. Um, so check it out and uh, I think you'll get a ton of value. Be glad you did. But my website has got videos. It's got the podcast. It's got uh, a lot of blog articles. I curate content or I write content. Just a ton of value there. Uh, and uh, you'll, you'll, if you're interested in this business, it's an incredible resource. Okay. And then, uh, guys, don't forget, we do have a regular scheduled time, 2 o'clock tomorrow, Josiah with Keegley. I can talk about how they're doing 70 properties every single month. Thank you guys for tuning in, and thank you. I appreciate it. This is awesome. My pleasure. My pleasure, brother. It's a lot of fun. My pleasure. I enjoyed it. Thanks for having me.